Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. The series we're in currently is called The Gospel According To. And there are some cards like this one out in the lobby, both in Indiana and Blairsville. And the reason we do series like this is because we want you to invite your friends. Because um, there was a squeal behind me after the video came on and people realized it was Harry Potter. You know people who like Harry Potter but don't like church. And they would have come to church today if you would have just invited them. And so in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at the gospel according to Marvel and the gospel according to uh, the Beatles. And if you don't know who the Beatles are, ask your parents or grandparents and they can tell you. Um, but uh, we're going to have a great time in the next few weeks just walking through the gospel together because the, the, the world, the gospel just means good news. And we have the ultimate good news in the church. It's Jesus Christ. But the world has what it would call good news as well. And there is a gospel according to the world. And what we're really doing during the series is just unpacking, hey, what, is, what, is, what do these different entities have to say about the gospel, about truth? And what is, how does that compare to Scripture? What does that look like? What does that mean for us? Um, so really, that's what we're doing. That's what this is about. Um, and if you, if you didn't know the clip we just played, uh, the compilation, it's from uh, the Harry Potter series. And just for the record, uh, when I was youth pastoring years ago, it's when the Harry Potter books came out. And there was... Um, there were a lot of people who were fine with letting their kids read the books, and then there was a lot of very vocal people who were not fine with letting their kids read the books. And as the youth pastor, I just said, make a wise decision. Um, if, if you're going to outlaw it for your kids, know why you're outlawing it for your kids. Don't just say, well, I read it's bad, so they're not going to read it. They're not having anything to do with that. Um, but it was interesting. We had a homeschool group in our church that I was youth pastoring in, and they, did, they literally did a Harry Potter book burning and some of the parents didn't have the Harry Potter book, so they went and bought the Harry Potter book just to bring it to the book burning. And it was like, I think, I think the publisher doesn't care, <laughs> like, right? They're just glad you're buying the book. It just helps the sales. Um, so I want you to know, I, this is not an endorsement of Harry Potter, that this is Jesus and Harry Potter, you know, that's not what I'm saying today at all. But I'm also not condemning it, because here's the thing. Uh, there is allegorical uh, essence to Harry Potter. There are a lot of parallels between the, his story and the story of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, their story of somebody being chosen and sacrificing their life for the good of others and resurrection. There's lots of different elements like that in Harry Potter. And if you want to if you want to condemn that, that's fine, but you should also probably condemn uh, the Chronicles of Narnia and Lord of the Rings as well. And, um, and if you think Harry Potter is dark, you probably haven't seen the Lord of the Rings movies or read the books because those are pretty dark. Um, so what I'm saying is God is in the business of redeeming common things for his glory. That's what he does. He takes things that are flawed and broken and he redeems them for his glory. If he didn't, you wouldn't have pastors and you wouldn't be able to um, be with friends with people who, um, 
who are used for God's glory because we're all messed up. We all have issues and God redeems us. I had a conversation with someone uh, a few years ago and they were unhappy with how we do church. Um, and one of the things they were proposing is that we sing more hymns and I, I'm fine with hymns. I like hymns. I grew up singing hymns. And, um, but they didn't like the fact that we have um, lights or that we, you know, they said, it's like a rock, it's like a, a rock show. It's not like, uh, like worship. And I said, hey, let me help you with something. Like God redeems things of the world for his glory. And they used the word, word, the word worldly. The church is too worldly. And I said, here's the thing. God redeems worldly things for his glory. And I said, do you know the hymns that you're advocating? In the early church, do you know where a lot of the hymns came from? No, I don't. And I said, well, let me help you. What the church did is they took the songs that people were singing in bars and they changed the lyrics and sung them in church so that when people would come from the bars, they would come in and be like, oh, I know this song, right? They would recognize the, the melody and they just changed the lyrics. And you could say, well, we can't sing that song. It's a bar song. Or you could say, hey, this is a really smart way to win people who don't like church. Does that make sense to anybody? That's what we're after. That's what we're about. We're going to preach the gospel, um, but we're going to, we want to do it in a, in a way that is palatable for people who aren't crazy about church, or maybe they've been hurt by church or disappointed by church. And that's really what this series is about. So when we look at the story of Harry Potter, it's a story of a, a young boy who is orphaned. Um, he's got a destiny that he didn't realize, didn't know he had until one day. Uh, a guy who kind of looks like me showed up at his house and said, said, Harry, I'm taking you to Hogwarts. Um, and he didn't know he had this destiny to be this great wizard. And so he takes him away and it begins his adventures of growing up and developing friendships and relationships. And it culminates in the final book with, with Harry kind of fulfilling his destiny and figuring out who he really is. And there's a lot of themes throughout the Harry Potter books and movies that are excellent. And, and I wanna walk through a couple of those with you this morning. The first one that I think is a recurring theme throughout the Harry Potter books and movies is this theme of acceptance. Acceptance is huge. And acceptance is a big, it's a key word in our culture today. It's kind of a, a hot topic because the world says, you just need to accept people. You just need to accept. And there's a lot of truth to that. In fact, what we see in the book, in the Harry Potter books is uh, there's a lot of discrimination in the wizarding world of Harry Potter. There are a lot of things that are um, inequalities, if you want to say them that way. Um, normal human beings in the wizarding world are called muggles. Muggles are just normal people. There are normal people who don't possess the ability to be a wizard. So they are muggles. And if you're a wizard, you kind of look down on muggles because they're normal, they're average, they're ordinary, they're plain, they don't have any power. And a lot of wizards would look at them with disdain. There's a lot of disdain too if you are of mixed blood. If you're not a pure blood wizard, if you've got a, a normal, a muggle mother or father and a wizard mother or father, then you've got mixed blood and that's bad too. You don't wanna be mixed blood because there's discrimination. Um, there's discrimination toward house elves. There are these house elves. And I'll be honest with you, my least favorite character in any of the stories is this house elf named Dobby. <laughs> I never wanted to punch an imaginary character so bad in my whole life. <laughs> Dobby's annoying. <laughs> I almost did a Dobby imitation. I resist. 
not gonna do it. Dobby's annoying. He drives me crazy. He's a house elf. And these house elves are like indentured servants. They, 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 they are stuck in their class. They can't escape. This is just who they are. And because of this, they have this life that they're doomed to. Now they can be set free by their master, um, but most will not because they don't see them as humans, they see them as subhuman. And because of that, they're stuck. Um, Then one of my favorites in one of the books, um, one of Harry's professors, it's revealed that he's actually a werewolf. And in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, uh, werewolves are discriminated against. Can you believe werewolves are discriminated against? I can't believe that. That's preposterous. Simply because once a month they turn into a bloodthirsty killing machine, that is no reason to discriminate against them, right? Like, why can't they babysit your kids? That doesn't seem fair, right? But they're discriminated against. When people find out that they're werewolves, they're outcasts. And the interesting thing is, All of these outcasts find a friend in Harry Potter. Harry Potter doesn't care who they are. He doesn't care what their background is. He doesn't care what their lineage is, if they're pure blood, half blood. None of that matters to to Harry Potter. He loves people where they are. He loves misfits and outcasts. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Sounds a little like Jesus, right? Jesus loved He spent time with prostitutes and tax collectors and people who were were ceremonially unclean. They had sickness and disease. These are the people he hung out with, Gentiles. He was criticized for the people he hung out with. Jesus was accepting of people that were different than him. Now, this is the interesting part. The world says that we need to be more accepting. You just need to accept people that are different than you. Now, this is the thing. Jesus was accepting, but the world doesn't want people to be accepting, they want us to be in agreement. Now there's a big difference between accepting and agreement. Scripture says a lot about agreement. It talks a lot about what we agree with, what our our spirits are connected to. There's a verse that I love that I quote pretty regularly. It's Amos 3.3 from the message version. It says, do two people walk hand in hand if they aren't going to the same place? How can two people walk together if they're not going to the same destination? So here's the implication from this verse. The implication is twofold. Number one, if you and I are going to walk together, we have to decide, number one, there has to be agreement on where will we meet, right? Because we're not gonna walk together if we don't know where we're going to meet. And there's also this implication that we have to be in agreement, number two, on where we are going. So if we don't agree on where we're meeting and where our destination is, then there's no way we can walk together. That's agreement, So that is a very specific case. But this is the thing we have to understand. Uh, Agreement is a key to to spiritual outcomes in our lives. We underestimate the power of agreement for good and bad. The word agree, one of the definitions in in the Greek is symphonos. And symphonos is a word that means harmonious, accordant, agreeing. Harmonious, symphonos, does that sound familiar? It's where we get the word symphony in the English language. Symphonos, it means working together. So, so here's the thing. Um, really, when we're talking about acceptance, what, we're, what, what the world is saying is we have to be in total agreement, working together to create something beautiful, which sounds nice. But here's what I want you to understand. Jesus was accepting of people that he was not in agreement with them on. So let me give you an example. Jesus met a, a woman at the well. Um, 
she came out to draw water and he engages in this conversation with her. And he uh, asks her about her husband and she's like, yeah, I'm not married. He said, that's right, you're not married. You've been married five times and the dude you're shacked up with is not your husband. He says, the dude you're shacked up with in the Greek. If you just look, believe me, it's what it says. But he calls her out. He, he does not say, well, you know what? Who am I to define truth? And you're gonna live your truth and I'm not gonna judge you, sister. Good for you. He accepted her. He loved her enough to speak truth to her. He was not in agreement with her, but he accepted her. Does that make sense? So be, because he wasn't in agreement with her though, he could speak truth to her. And because he could speak truth to her, she was one to, to Christ, she recognized him as Messiah. And in fact, her whole village came out and they all heard the gospel because he was not in agreement with her, but he accepted her. See, we can be in agreement with good things. In fact, this is where Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18, he says, I tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I'm there among them. So there's this powerful spirit of agreement that we come into. Whenever we finish the service and I invite people forward to pray with our prayer team, what we're doing is we're saying, hey, come into agreement with our prayer team. They're gonna come into agreement with you. There's another definition of this word agreement in the New Testament, and it means, it literally means to vote together. So it means whatever you are voting for, I am voting for. We're in agreement on a purpose, on action. And this is what happens when you come together with another believer and you say, hey, would you pray with me about my marriage? Would you pray with me about my job? Man, I'm concerned about my kids. Would you pray with me? What you're doing is you're mingling your faith together. You're bringing agreement, a spirit of agreement to it, and you're releasing that. God, okay, we're agreeing in your name, in the name of Jesus, that something's gonna change. It's powerful. We can also agree in the negative. Um, it's interesting in 2 Corinthians, Paul asked a rhetorical question to the Corinthian church. He says, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? He says, we are the temple of God and yet we indulge idols constantly. And he says, hey, what, how can there be agreement between these two things? So what happens is we agree with the wrong spirit or a spirit of idolatry. We agree with the wrong confessions that have been made over us. We agree with the wrong um, values in our culture. Whatever it is, we come into agreement with those things and we think we're being accepting, but really this is approval. Let me give you an example. I think for many people, we come into a spirit of agreement with people who speak things over us. Maybe you had a parent or a coach or a teacher or maybe a pastor, a youth pastor at some point said something hurtful or negative over you. And somewhere in you, in your spirit, your spirit agreed with that. You said, yes, I vote with you. I am a failure. I am a loser. I'll never make it. I'll never be a success. I am a disappointment. I am never going to achieve what I want to achieve. And now that same spirit that we can unleash in the positive in the kingdom of heaven has now ground us to a halt. Does that make sense? 
because we're in agreement with the wrong thing. Think about David and Goliath. Goliath comes out and he is taunting the, the nation of Israel. He's talking trash about God and about the, the kingdom. And David stands up and he fights Goliath. He knocks him down with his slingshot and he chops off his head and he wins a victory that day. David could not have done that if he would have been like, you know what, this guy's probably right, right? He wouldn't have gone to fight the battle. He would have been like, guys, we're finished. We can't do this. If he would have been in the spirit of agreement with that. And I think there comes a point when we have to break the spirit of agreement in, in, in the, with the wrong things in the spiritual realm. Some of you have been spoken over different things and you have to break the spirit of agreement in your life. I've said this years ago, I mentioned this to you. We can never defeat an enemy that we're in agreement with. If you're in agreement with what the enemy says about you, guess what? You're doomed to that until you say, that is not who I am. I choose to agree with what Jesus says about me, who he says I am, what he says about me. And what the world wants is for us to be accepting, but really they don't want us to be accepting. The world wants us to be in agreement. And we can't be in agreement with the word of God and be in agreement with the culture of our world. Rick Warren said this, he said, our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to com compromise convictions to be compassionate. My oldest daughter, Abby, you can pray for Abby. She's on a mission trip to Mexico right now with uh, her internship program. And um, Abby has been begging me for years for a tattoo. And I've resisted. Primarily because I want her to go to heaven. <laughs> a bunch of our staff have tattoos and they won't be going to heaven either. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so I've just resisted. And, and it's a good thing I've resisted because she would have had some, I've saved her from some really horrible tattoos over the years. Daddy, I want to get this. I'm like, no, you do not. You do not want to get that. And she just thought I hated tattoos. But it's really like, I love you enough not to let you put that permanently on your body, right? And uh, she finally recently got me. She said, Daddy, I've got an idea for a tattoo. I'm like, okay, bring it on. I'm ready for the next one. What is it? And she said, hey, I, I want to get this. And she told me what it was. And I want to get it in Papa's handwriting, my dad's. And I was like, let me think about it. I don't know. Anyway, so she's probably getting a tattoo. Do I want her to get a tattoo? Not particularly. Am I in agreement with that? No. But I accept my daughter, I love my daughter. She's my daughter, right? So I don't have to agree with her to still love her. Let's take it a step further. What if, what if she rebelled against God? And she rebelled against uh, the teachings that Kim and I have raised her with and the values and the convictions and I would still love her deeply. She'd still be my baby girl, I would still love her. I would still accept her as my daughter, but I couldn't walk in agreement with her because how can two walk hand in hand if they haven't agreed on where to meet and what the destination is? And what the world wants us to do, we can't do. 
because we can't be in agreement. Does that make sense? So the gospel of Harry Potter says, hey, accept everybody. And what the gospel says is, hey, love everybody, but be in agreement with scripture, be in agreement with God. The second theme is life and death. It's interesting because life and death is woven throughout the stories, the Harry Potter stories. Um, I mentioned that his parents were killed by Voldemort, the villain. And just, just as a spoiler, if you're ever watching a movie and you're not sure who the villain is, if they don't have a, a nose, they're probably the villain. It's amazing how little villains care about uh, their physical appearance and hygiene. Like, have you cleaned it? You're under your nails there, Voldemort? Come on, man. <laughs> like, how about you just wash your hands once in a while? That'd help. Uh, so Voldemort kills Harry's mom and dad. He tries to kill Harry. He leaves a scar on his forehead. And from that moment forward, Harry's known as the boy who lived. He lived. He survived when he shouldn't have survived, Right? And it's interesting because if you follow Voldemort throughout the stories, it, it appears as if he's just trying to wreak havoc and destroy and kill. That, that is his sole purpose is to bring death. And it's interesting though, because if you look at, if, if you're a Harry Potter nerd, which I'm assuming you are the way you squealed when you heard it was Harry Potter. Um, when, when you, if you're a Harry Potter nerd, if you go a little deeper with the word Voldemort in the, the French Loosely translated, it means the one who runs from or escapes death. And so what we see is that really he's not trying to bring death through all the books. What he's really trying to do is escape death. He is on the hunt for immortality. He wants to live forever. And that's what's motivated some of his actions and some of the things he's done without getting too far into the details. He wants to live forever. That's his desire. And it's interesting because this is a fairly common trope in a lot of uh, fantasy or science fiction uh, writing is this idea of living forever. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien talks about this. He said this, few lessons are taught more clearly in fantasy than the burden of that kind of immortality, or rather endless serial living to which the fugitive would fly. For the, fa uh, for, for the fairy story is specially apt to teach such things of old and still today. So this is what he's saying. Um, it is common for us to dream about living forever, to being immortal, but it's, it's a trap. Um, it's interesting because if you're a fan of Lord of the Rings, in Lord of the Rings, there is a, a race of people called elves and the elves are immortal. Uh, they, they won't die by natural causes. And it's interesting because Tolkien intentionally wrote them as somewhat morose somber because they live with this curse of immortality. They, they live forever in this world. And some of you maybe have thought, man, it would be great if we never died because maybe you've lost a loved one. You know the pain of death. But if you really think about it, if you believe heaven is real, if we lived forever in this world, that would equate to hell. Because this world is fallen and broken, it's a mess. And so if we aspired for immortality in this world, what we're really aspiring for is just to hang on to our life and experience something less than what God would intend for us. And it's interesting because J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter books, 
one of the thing, things we see kind of woven throughout the stories is this idea that we can only really discover our meaning and purpose when we come to the point when we recognize the fact that our lives are finite, that our lives will end, that all of us will die at some point. And when we get to that place, it frees us to discover what our purpose really is. And I think there's some truth to that. Because if you knew you only had two months left with your mom or dad, wouldn't you maximize that two months? If you knew my child is leaving for college when they graduate high school, shouldn't that motivate us to maximize the time we've got left with our children? If we knew, here's how many days left I have on planet Earth before I expire, shouldn't that motivate us to maximize the rest of our life and wring every bit of life out of every day we've got? Moses said, help me number my days. Why? So that I can gain wisdom. It's interesting because Matthew chapter 16, Matthew 16, Jesus is telling his disciples about his his end, he's gonna die. And he's talking to them about it. He's sharing this with them. And Peter corrects Jesus. It's kind of a bold move, right? Jesus is like, hey, Peter, I didn't ask for your feedback. <laughs> and Peter's like, Jesus, you can't die. You can't say that. You're not gonna die. You're the Messiah. And this is when Jesus says, in the King James, he says, get thee behind me, Satan. He calls him Satan. He says, you're like Satan right now because you're tempting me to do something that's outside the will of God. And what he's saying is, it is God's will for me to suffer and die on the cross. And you wanna tempt me from doing something other than God's will. And, and the implication, what he's saying to us is sometimes God's will leads to suffering. And sometimes God's will it leads us through pain. Sometimes God's will might even lead us to the cross. We don't want to hear that. See, Peter in the natural is like, no, 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 that can't be the will of God because that's painful and that's difficult and that's hard. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. I don't want to hear what you have to say. And then he addresses the group, and this is what he says in Matthew 16, 24. He says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give, your, uh, give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. He says, you have to lay down all the things you want, all your values, all your comforts, all your dreams and visions, lay that down, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? This is a picture of Voldemort. He's trying to hang on to his life. He doesn't want to lose a bit of it. He wants to live forever. This is what this life is all about. He's hanging on. And the more we try to hang on to this life, the more it slips through our fingers. See, we've, we need to reset in how we view things, how we view God, how we view the world. We need to understand that if we try to hang on to this life, we will lose it. But if we willingly lay down our lives, willingly sacrifice what we want for what God wants. That's when we'll discover real life. Here's the thing. God never asks us to give up something unless he's got something better for us. He never says lay down your dreams unless his dreams are better than yours are. 
He never says, lay down your vision, lay down this relationship, lay down this whatever it is, unless he's got something better for you. But we're so reluctant because we love this life. We have to choose life or death. The last thing is this, good and evil. I mentioned a few weeks ago, uh, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus responds and says, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. And remember what we talked about, we talked about the holiness of God. Only God can be good because only God is holy. I'm partially good some of the time because I'm partially holy some of the time. God is good all the time because he is 100% holy all the time. And for those of us here in the room watching online in Blairsville, we're good sometimes, but not all the time. And this word good in the Greek, it's agathos, and it just means what you would imagine it would mean. Excellent, distinguished, upright, honorable, good. And that is resident in us, but I've got bad news for you. Evil is resident in you and I as well. It is lurking. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter says to the church, Finally, all of you should be of one mind, unified in unity. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. This word evil that's used here in the Greek, it's a Greek word kakos, and it means a bad nature, a mode of thinking, feeling, or acting, troublesome, injurious, pernicious. I love this word pernicious. Next time you watch your, your, your like sister or brother, they bring their, you know, your nieces and nephews come over and you have to babysit them, and your family comes to pick them up, and they're like, oh, how are the kids? You can go, oh, they were pernicious as always. They'll never know that you just called their kids evil. <laughs> oh, they're a bunch of little Satans. Thanks for bringing them. Appreciate it, right? Pernicious, that's your word for the day, pernicious. Let me go back to number two. So evil is a mode of thinking, feeling, or acting. We tend to think that evil is just what we do, and I'm not evil because I don't do this stuff. Well, I wanna kill my boss, but I haven't killed him, so I'm not evil. So what is the mode? The mode is base, wrong, or wicked. So wrong thinking, feeling, or acting. Wicked thinking, feeling, or acting. It's not just acting. It's feeling and thinking. Maybe none of you have acted evil today, but I'm willing to bet a lot of you have thought or felt evil today. Maybe pulling into the parking lot, somebody pulled in in front of you, got the spot you wanted. You did the like Yosemite Sam cursing. You know what I'm talking about? You go, I'm good. I didn't run him over with my car, but I thought about it. Here's the thing. Think about this, guys. Um, that's evil. Just because we don't act on it doesn't mean we get a pass. If we are thinking this stuff, if we're feeling this stuff, we are not fully submitted to Christ and we need to continually battle. This is where, this is where Paul says in Romans chapter seven, I, I don't do what I wanna do and I do what I don't wanna do. I know what I need to do, but I can't do it. I know what I shouldn't be doing, but I do it. Do you know what he's talking about? He's talking about the sin that's in our flesh, that it's at war within us, that's war with the spirit. 
then this is why people have problems in church because we have expectations that church is gonna be perfect and no problems and everybody loves Jesus. We just sing kumbaya all the time and everybody's happy and good. There's rainbows and butterflies and unicorns and that's what church is supposed to be. Let me help you. We are evil. According to scripture, your pastor is evil and some of you are like, I I had a feeling about that one. I had a suspicion. Why? Because every day we battle the flesh. Every day there is sinfulness in our heart, sinfulness in our thinking and feeling, and if we're not careful, in our acting. And what we have to do is bring that into submission. That's why there's problems in churches. It's because we let what we think and feel spill over into what we do. We cause problems and issues and drama, and then we don't understand why nobody wants to come to our church. So what do we do? We battle this. We submit it to Christ. And it does happen in churches, unfortunately. This is where we continually, daily choose Christ. Continually, daily choose good. You know, one of the questions that's often asked in the Harry Potter books is what makes a person good or evil? Um, And what we see is some of the people who are morally ambiguous, say it that way, They are redeemed. And basically what you see is that your choices define you. That if you are bad and you make good choices, you're good. And if you're good and you make bad choices, you're bad. And if you are bad, you can be redeemed if you choose wisely. And the gospel, according to Harry Potter, is morality is sufficient for redemption. If you're just good, if you're just moral, we're gonna celebrate you. No matter how bad you are, if, if you make one good choice at the end, they're gonna celebrate you at your death. Yay, what a great guy, right? That's sufficient, that's enough. And redemption's available. And if you, if you get to the end of the book, end of the, the movies, um, this climactic moment where Harry and Voldemort are facing off and Voldemort's kind of on his last leg. Uh, this is, you could tell this is the end. This is his last kind of gasp of breath. And he, he's facing Harry and Harry gives him an opportunity for, for repentance. I'll say it that way. He offers him mercy and Voldemort refuses and he casts a spell or tries to on Harry and it bounces off of Harry and it lands back on himself. He he ends up dying by his own hand. If you haven't seen it or read the books, it's not my fault. It's been out for a while, so. And he dies, but he had an opportunity for redemption, but he chose poorly. He chose selfishness. He chose to try to hang on to his life. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven It says, in him, talking about Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. See, the gospel according to Harry Potter says morality is sufficient for redemption, but the gospel says only Jesus is sufficient for redemption. Morality is not sufficient. Goodness is not sufficient. You being nice or kind is not sufficient. If if it was, we wouldn't need Jesus to die. We are evil at our core. We need redemption. And only Christ can do that. And the reality is we all have a choice. 
We all get to choose acceptance or agreement. We all get to choose life or death, good or evil. We all get to choose redemption through the blood of Christ or not. That's the free will that God has given us that we get to choose. We can't save ourselves, but we can choose the one who can save us. Hey, right now I'm gonna turn it over to our host in Blairsville. They're gonna close out the rest of our time together. They're gonna give you a, a chance to respond. And then in just a minute, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna share one of our ministry partners with you. So stick around just for a few minutes and we'll be back in just a moment whenever Pastor Collins is done with you guys. God bless you. So for those of you here in the room, those of you that are still watching online, it really comes down to a choice. The choice between Christ or ourselves. Maybe you've been going to church and you've been doing your thing and you've been living your life and it's been going okay, but you recognize something's off, something's wrong. This life leads to death if all we want is this life. But if we're willing to lay down our life, what we want for what God wants, it will bring true life to us. We'll discover what that is. Maybe you're looking for real life. Maybe you're looking for that which you didn't even know you needed. I believe today's the day. Maybe you're here and you're a believer and you've been in agreement with the wrong things. Maybe something was spoken over you or said to you or about you. And at one point, your spirit came into agreement with that today. I believe today's the day that's gonna be broken off you forever. Maybe you've been, quite frankly, just choosing death. You've been choosing death in relationships and choices and decisions you made. The, the road is ultimately leading you to death. I wanna give you an opportunity to respond today. So if you would, bow your head, close your eyes, all this place, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being so good to us. I pray right now, in the name of Jesus, you transform our hearts, transform our lives, help us to experience your goodness and your grace and your kindness today like never before. I pray, Lord, that you would lift the heaviness off the people that have walked in here that maybe they've come in here carrying death, carrying the wrong kinds of spirit of agreement on them. And I pray that today you'd break that off of them. They'd experience life in you. I pray as we surrender our lives to you, as we confess our need for redemption, God, I pray that you would be just, that you would respond and you would respond with your mercy and grace that you lavish on us. So God, have your way with us over these next few moments. Be glorified. Nobody's looking around. If you'd say to me, Mel, I know I'm not really serving God. I'm not really in relationship with God. I know I wanna be though. I wanna experience life. I want that redemption you were talking about. I need that. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just wanna pray with you. If you wanna be included in that prayer, would you be bold enough to slip your hand up real high where I can see it and you can put it right back down? Yeah, thanks, up in the balcony. Who else would say, that's me, Mel, pray for me. I wanna be included in that prayer. Yeah, thank you up in the balcony, I see you. Thank you on my right, I see you. Praise the Lord. Who else would say, Mel, that's me. I wanna surrender my life to Christ. I wanna make him Lord or, or come back to him. Okay. Book of Romans tells us, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So I wanna pray a prayer with you. I want you to pray this out loud. I want you to repeat it after me, but I want you to mean it from your soul, from your core. So pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me 
and for saving me by sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sins on the cross. From this day forward, my life is yours. Use me for your glory and help me to never go back to my old ways and my old life and my old thinking. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on. Listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, we wanna help you take the next step in your faith journey. The simplest thing for you to do would be to either take the card out of the seat back in front of you, fill it out, and then take it to our info center. Or if you'd prefer, if you're watching online or here in the room and can't reach a card, simply text Summit PA to the number 94,000. Let us know about your decision. And uh, we're gonna help you take the next step in your faith journey. So again, thank you so much for making that decision. Uh, we're wrapping up a little differently than we normally do because we got some special guests with us. So here's what we're gonna do right now. I'm gonna go ahead and dismiss our online audience. We're gonna cut you guys loose because we've got some special friends joining us today, uh, some ministry partners from a, a sensitive part of the world uh, that they literally could be put in danger if they were broadcast. So we're gonna cut you guys loose. We love you. God bless you guys.